Welcome to Victory, a place to call home. We're here to help people find and follow Jesus, and we are so glad that you are listening. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. It was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going into the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. <laughs> his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so scared, afraid of him, that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. When you're looking for Jesus, you don't need to be afraid. He was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, I love this, just as he said. He's a promise keeper. He's faithful to his word. If he said it, he will do it. Come, I love this part, come and see the place where he lay. Listen to this. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. At the heart of the message of the gospel, amen, is a come and see and a go and tell message. Come and see all that God has done. Go and tell about what he has done. It's called being a witness of what you have seen, heard, and experienced. And so verse 7 continues. Go quickly and tell his disciples, for he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And then I want you to go down to verse 18 of chapter 28 of Matthew. There's some time that has gone past Jesus as now the resurrected Jesus is appearing uh, to his disciples, his followers, his 12 friends. And he says this to them when he comes and appears to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. <laughs> Therefore... Based upon that authority that has been given, go. Somebody say go. Go is not stop. Go is not chill. Go is not sit still. Go is go. Go is an action word. Get to stepping. Get to moving. Bust a move. Make a move. Go, Jesus says. And do what? And make disciples of all nations. This gospel message that we have is a gospel message for the whole world. It's a universal message. It's a message for those who are white, those who are black, those who are yellow, those who are down, those who are out, those who are rich. Every sphere, sphere of society, it's a message of good news for the, for the entire world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, not maybe, but surely, I am with you always. How many are grateful that he's with you always to the end of the age? And then I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read just one verse, verse 8, and then we're going to pray. Jesus has appeared to his disciples again. He's getting ready to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he gives them these last words. He says, you will receive 
power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In our time together this morning, I want to uh, continue a message that I began last week. And um, I titled this text from our uh, passage today in the form of a question, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And so I want to say to you today, not can I get a witness part two, I thought about that. Not can I get a witness again, but can I get a witness one more time? <laughs> what will be your response today to God's call to be a witness? Let me pray before we get into this message today. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we have, Lord, to gather around your word. Lord, your word brings instruction, it brings life, it brings hope, it brings direction, it brings us what we need to know what you want us to do. So, Father, help us, Lord, to say yes to you. Help us to have open hearts and open ears and openness in our lives, Lord, that we don't withhold anything, Lord, that, but we say yes to you. I pray that, that in this time together, Lord, we wouldn't just come to hear a sermon or sing a song or attend a service, but that we've come to hear from heaven. We've come to hear the very words of God this morning. Father, thank you in advance for what you're going to do among us, for how you're going to change our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. This message today is intended to be provocative. Now, I don't use that word provocative in saying I want it to be provocative in a negative way. We think about provocative being, okay, the dress code or how you wear or what you look like. No, I want it to be provocative. This message for you here today, I want it to be provocative because I want it to provoke you. I want it to provoke you to take action. I don't want you to leave this place the same that you came in, but I want the Spirit of God to provoke you to take action action to do something with what you hear today to apply it to your life. That you wouldn't just be hearers, but that you would be doers of God's word. Now, when I ask the question, can I get a witness? The question comes from the African-American church. About two centuries ago, they would gather together and somebody would come up from among the crowd and they would begin to what was called bear witness. They would give testimony or share story about God's personal involvement and interaction and intervention in their life. And they would stand up before a group of people and they would say, won't God make a way where there seems to be no way? They would say, God is good. And the people would say, God, they would begin to testify about the goodness of God and God's intervention in their life. And they would look about that crowd and they would ask a question. They would give a call. They would ask a question and they would say, can I get a witness? 
And the crowd, if you had experienced the same type of personal involvement from God, if God had intervened, if God had ever come through for you, you would give an enthusiastic, enthusiastic amen, yes. You might raise your hand. You might clap. You might stand up. You might make a face like you had just smelt something really bad. You might go, mm, right? So the question today that I believe that I'm not just asking you today, but I believe the question that God is asking of you today is, can I get a witness? The call is going out from God to us today, to his followers, to his people. And I want you to position yourself to affirm and respond to his call to be a witness. Now, I'm addressing today a crowd here that is a good-looking crowd, that is a crowd that has many backgrounds and have come through many experiences or that are here maybe with, um, and they might, you might be in a different place, different places in life. And so I'm speaking here today, as Jesus was speaking to, to his followers, but assuredly there are those in here today that you have not yet decided to follow Jesus but maybe let me give you a little glimpse into what it is to be a witness for Jesus. Being a witness um, today, it comes from that passage, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word witness is the Greek word martis in which the New Testament was written in. It refers to those who bear witness to the truth of what they've seen, heard, and experienced in a court of law. And if you have seen, heard, or experienced Jesus, then God's call for you is to be a witness. God did not save you so that he could immediately take you to heaven. God did not save you just to forgive you of your sins, but God saved you that you would tell the story about what he's done in your life. It's called being a witness. And so the call is going out to you this morning, to me this morning, can I get a witness? What is going to be your response? A, uh, a recent poll done by the Barna Group uh, shares the reality of ignorance in the church uh, as to the Great Commission. This portion of scripture from Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20 is called the Great Commission. The Great Co-Mission. Co meaning with. Mission meaning plan, purpose, intention. God has a plan, a purpose, an intention for your life. And I know many of us look to very different directions. We look within, we look to others for their advice. But can I tell you this morning, you have a specific calling in your life, on your life, and you have a general or overarching calling on your life. And that calling on your life as a follower of Jesus is to be a witness. In other words, share the story of what Jesus has done in your life, being a witness to his message. You see, because if he did it for you, he can do it again. If he did it for you, he wants to do it for someone else. He's calling you to be a witness, but there's ignorance among the church. And that poll recently conducted, more than half, 51%, had no idea what the Great Commission was. Another 25% that said they had never heard of it and didn't know what it meant. 17%, a tiny fraction, said that they could explain what it was. Six percent were unsure. So there's a problem of ignorance, not knowing something. 
If you don't know something, you cannot share it. There's the problem of ignorance, but there's also the problem of apathy. And apathy is not a lack of knowledge. It's not uh, ignorance, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lack of concern. It's a lack of caring. It's a lack of compassion. And oftentimes, uh, as followers of Jesus, we can get so comfortable in our own uh, bubble. We can get so comfortable and casual in our relationship with God that we go through the motions and we, and we go throughout our life, and we won't uh, much less go throughout the world. We won't even go next door. We won't go down the street, much less go across the world. But God has called us to be a witness right where we are, and that's why that passage says, you will be my witnesses, listen to this, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And so the call to be a witness is the call to go and make disciples Right where you are, as you are going, make disciples. As you are working, as you are in class, come on. As you are in your neighborhood, as you're shopping, God is wanting to have a gospel witness in your life. Now, God could do it all by himself, but he chooses to use me and he chooses to use you. But the problem is not just ignorance. The problem is an apathy, which is an unwillingness to be a witness. I believe that oftentimes we look at being a witness as sharing the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus about what God has done in your, in your life. I'm excited to share that. I'm, I think that you, you ought to be excited about that because it's not merely a duty, but it's an opportunity to see people changed eternally. It's not something that we should bear a a great heaviness, and it's like, oh, I've got to be a witness. It's not something, but it should be something that you look for, that's something that you have been given, an assignment by God that should excite you because you have an opportunity to change what eternity looks like for you and the people you care about. This morning, I want to share with you not only the reality that you have a mandate to be a witness, you have a message as a witness. But I want to continue today with my last two points of the sermon that I began last week, and that's by teaching you this, that as a witness, you not only have a mandate and a message, but you also have a method. A method is a how-to, right? Methods are talking about not only what I'm supposed to do, but how am I supposed to do it? And here's what I love about God. He doesn't leave us wondering how to go about being a witness. He is very clear as to how we can go about being a witness for him. And that method that Jesus employed was this, relational evangelism. Relational evangelism, and it's a core value of our church, and it means this, that God's message of forgiveness through Christ is most effectively conveyed within the context of of a personal relationship. How many of you are here today because you saw, let's go old school, a newspaper ad about our church, right? Any hands? How many of you here today are here as a result of somebody you putting an invitation underneath uh, or on your car underneath your windshield wiper? How many of you are here today as a result of a social media post? How many of you here are here today as a result of a personal invitation? Most of us. The vast majority of us 
are here today as a result of a personal invitation. Some of y'all are here today because you got drugged. Your, your mama or your daddy drug you here. Or maybe you're an adult now and you got drugged as a kid and it became uh, something that has become a habit in your life and you got drugged and you're here today and now you're drugging your kids. You done pass it on. But someone invited you. I think the approach uh, to sharing the gospel of Jesus, listen to this, must be relational, not transactional. You see what I mean? There's a difference between a relationship and there's a difference between a transaction. You see, you and I, as witnesses for Jesus, we're not spiritual salesmen, all right, going about our days and looking at how we can close the deal. Hey, I've got to sell you on Jesus. I've got to tell you about what a great deal is, and we take this mindset that we are salesmen for Jesus, but can I contrast that? That is one way of sharing your faith, but I want to maybe present to you a better way, the Jesus way, and it's the way of relational evangelism. It's relational evangelism, right? And so we are not spiritual salesmen, but we are uh, spiritual guides on a journey with people on their faith journey. Doesn't that feel good? That takes the pressure off. I'm saying this, that as a witness for Jesus to share your faith, you should be assertive. You absolutely should be intentional. You absolutely should be assertive. You should be urgent in seeing the needs around you of the people who do not know Jesus, that are separated from God, and that need a witness of his grace and his mercy and his power to change your life right? You, people, these people are around you each and every day, but you are not a spiritual salesman. You are a spiritual guide on a journey. God is the one who saves. He uses you to carry his message, but you don't have to worry about closing the deal. What you have to worry about is being with people when they are ready to receive the message of Jesus. Be assertive, but don't be aggressive. There's a difference between being aggressive and being assertive. I told you this message today is going to be very practical. So I want maybe to put some practical tools in your hands that you can use to be a witness. Now, the, way, the reason why these various approaches, see a spiritual salesman will do this. He'll stand back and they'll preach and they'll have an audience, or they'll hand out a gospel track, or maybe they'll share something on Facebook, or they'll tell you um, as a spiritual salesman how you need to know Jesus. But the reason why a lot of these approaches don't work is because there's no relationship involved now. How many of you know that we most trust the people that we know? The people that we have relationship. And love requires relationship. Have you ever heard, so you've heard of the Great Commission at this point, the responsibility we have to share our faith, the good news in Jesus, but have you ever heard about the Great Commandment? The Great Commandment serves as a platform for the Great Commission. The Great Commandment is that relationship that you have with people that earns you relational credibility in order to share the message of the good news of Jesus. The great commandment says this, 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second commandment is just as important, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. For these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that in order to, to, to share the good news, you first have to have relationship. This relationship is built on love. Love is the, is the platform for the Great Commission. Love is give, what gives us opportunity to share our faith with someone, with someone else. And this is our approach. This is what we do. This is Jesus' approach, relational evangelism. How many of you ever, ever heard this passage before? John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, it says that Jesus, the Word became flesh, and the flesh and the Word dwelt among us. Dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as that as the only begotten of the Father. Listen to what the message translation says about this. It says that, it says that Jesus came and he moved into the neighborhood. Full of grace and truth from the inside out. That we might behold his glory. Jesus modeled this approach of relational evangelism and this is the way he did it. First he invested and then he invited. So when you invest in the lives of the people that you're wanting to witness to, it prepares their hearts to be open to the message that you have. You see, we've been given a mandate by Jesus. We've been given a message from Jesus. But we've also been given a method. We've been given a method from Jesus. A witness employs the method of Jesus. This is how it looks. It's called conversation right? And if you're going to share your faith, if you're going to be a witness, you not only uh, live your life as a witness, it's not only about your lifestyle, it's about your lips. It's not about just showing it, but it's also about saying it. You've got to show it and then say it. (laughs) And so we have conversations with people We talk to one another. We talk to people, and we share the story about what Jesus has done for us. But it doesn't have to be awkward. There are normal conversations that we have with people. How's the weather? Who's your favorite football team? Hey, tell me about your kids. What's your favorite food? Right? These are normal conversations, but then we also can have spiritual conversations that are founded upon the normal conversations. And you've got to be ready, all right, to be assertive enough to go from a normal conversation to a spiritual conversation. How many of you have ever noticed that people will tell you what's going on in their life? The spiritual or the Jesus conversations are the conversations that people share with us and they say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I'm going through this right now. I'm going through this difficult time. And when you're in relationship with people, they will share their hurts, their pains, their sorrows, their struggles with you. That is your opportunity to share what Jesus has done for you. Invest in relationship 
Listen to what they say. How many of you guys know that the, one of the greatest things that we can do relationally for each other is to listen to what another person says? It's like a lost art. It's like we want to go on and talk about the next thing that we have on our mind, but we don't take the moment to love somebody enough to hear what's going on in their life. And when we hear what's going on in their life, then we have an opportunity to be able to share our story about what God did for us when we were going through the same thing. So you're not a spiritual salesman. You're a spiritual guide on a faith journey. And you're investing in, you're inviting. You're having normal conversations, and then you're having spiritual conversations in which you direct it back to a spiritual conversation about what God has done in your life and how you made it through that time. And then you know what you can do even then? Even then you can ask, hey, how can I pray for you? And maybe they'll allow you to pray for them in that moment. Or maybe they say something to like, they, maybe they say something like, something like oh, well, no, you, I don't need prayer right now, but you know what then you can say? Hey, I'll be praying for you. Hey, let me know I'm here for you if you need somebody to talk to. I know this is super practical. I know maybe this doesn't seem like super spiritual, and maybe you haven't come to hear a type of message like this today, but I can tell you for certain that in order to, for you to be a witness for Jesus, you have to invest relationally in other people. And so we employ a method of Jesus, which is relational evangelism. And finally, a witness, listen to this, not only has a mandate, they have that mandate, which is an official order or commission to do something. They have a message from Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You see, your message is not about you. Your message is about what God has done for you. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, we don't preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So you've been called with a mandate. You've been called with a message. You've been called with a method. And finally, a witness has been called to have a mentor. Listen to me. We have a mentor. We have a guide. We have someone who has experience that goes with us in what we do and how we share our faith. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit has been given to you not so that you can be super spiritual, but so that you can be a witness. You could be a witness for Jesus. Our problem is that we don't need self-help we need supernatural help. God tells us to go out into the world, and we can't do it in our own strength, in our own ability, in our own intelligence, in our own charisma, in our own know-how. We can't be a witness apart from the one who gives us power to be a witness. That is the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives on the inside of us so that we can be a witness for Jesus. He's the supernatural power behind our natural ability. And we cannot accomplish in the natural what requires supernatural assistance. He's the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus would say in Luke chapter 49, or ch chapter 24, verse 49, wait 
until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit before you go out and before your witness. I want to read this passage of Scripture in John chapter 14, verse 16 as I close. Jesus is saying these words, and it says, in his last moments that he has with the disciples at the Last Supper, and he says these words in verse 16 of chapter 14. He says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. See, the Holy Spirit is not just a ghost. It's not a spirit. It's not some mystical presence. But the Holy Spirit is the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And Jesus says, I will give you another helper. That word another in the Greek means another of the same kind. Jesus is saying, just as I was with you, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit to live in you. Another helper, a comforter. Somebody who has come to help you do what you cannot do in your own ability. We have the person of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be a witness. So a witness is empowered by a mentor. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit. In conclusion, the world needs your witness for Jesus. The world needs your witness for Jesus. This is personal. A witness for Jesus embraces the mandate of Jesus. Embraces, hears the call and says yes. A witness for Jesus emphasizes the message of Jesus. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to the world. A witness employs the method of Jesus, which is relational evangelism. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to be involved in your life. I'm going to, be care, I'm, I'm going to care more for you than that because, because I know if you know that I care for you, then I have something to share with you. It employs the method of Jesus, a witness does. And a witness is finally empowered by a mentor, the spirit of Jesus. I heard this story recently as I close uh, about a place in the northern part of the United States of America and there's this dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. And on that seacoast, there is this uh, small life-saving station. And the building itself was primitive. They only had one boat. But the members of that life-saving station were committed to watch over the sea. And when ships would get shipwrecked, they went out immediately and unselfishly day or night to save the lost. And because so many people were saved as a result of this um, life-saving station, it became famous. And now all of a sudden, a lot of people were wanting to be a part of this incredible life-saving station. And they gave their money, they gave their attention, they gave their talents. They wanted to be a part of this important work. And in order to be associated with it, they they began to build a big membership at this life-saving station. And um, they, they recognized, though, that, look, there, there's some antiquated things that are here at this station. We need to, you know, improve the facility. And so they began to, where there was cots, they began to put beds. And 
where there was you know, older furniture, they began to replace with new furniture. They put uh, carpet and rug on the, on the floor and they dressed it up and they made it really nice. And they met regularly, these members of this life-saving station. And, um, and they had a good time with one another and they loved one another. When they'd see each other, they'd hug each other. They'd talk about what was going on in each other's lives and they had uh, a great, a great uh, t- uh, community there in which they were loved and they were loving others. But fewer members, fewer members were interested in going out to sea on life-saving missions as a result of the greater involvement in this membership. And so they would hire, began to hire lifeboats to do all the work for them. And then about this time, there was uh, one day a large ship that came on that seashore and and that ship capsized and, and everyone was in the water and they were, they were dying and they were going to uh, sink. And they, so they sent out those life-saving boats and those boats came back to the seashore and they brought all of these people, black and white and yellow and from different you know, countries of the world and different backgrounds. And there was rich people, there was poor people, there was wet people, there was dirty people, there was smelly people. And when they came back half drowned, this beautiful community, this beautiful life-saving station had become a place of chaos. The rugs were dirty. The furniture had gotten scratched up. The place was pretty much a place of chaos and things that were, that, that place that was once beautiful had been turned upside down. So the property committee Immediately, they had a committee meeting and they said, look, we can't have this. So we're going to build showers outside of the life-saving station in order for when these people who are coming in that are being rescued can take a shower before they come in so they don't destroy everything and get everything dirty. But some other people in the membership said, let's not forget, we're a life-saving station. Though some wanted to stop it, they realized that their primary purpose was that they were to be a life-saving station. So they had a vote, and the ones that wanted to keep um, the membership happy and keep everything nice and beautiful, they end up winning out. And they said, you guys can go and start your own life-saving station down the coast. And you know what they did? That's what they did. They, they went out and they started their own. And they started off good as well. But eventually, the membership grew. They had committees. They had their meetings. But they had forgotten their primary purpose, that they were to be a life-saving station. As a result, as the years passed, there began to be new stations, and they experienced the same thing. And few people went out to the drowning people and, no, and the drowning people were not welcome any longer in that community. And if you visit that coast today, you'll still find many people shipwrecked. It's frequent in those waters and many people drown. And I just share that story to tell you this, that this is a modern day par- uh, parable of the church. This is what can happen to us in our witness as followers of Jesus. And my prayer today 
is that as long as I'm the, lead, the leader of this church, as long as we have this call to be a witness and to share the gospel, may we never become so concerned about buildings more than people. My prayer is that may we never become more interested in having our meetings than we are in fulfilling our mission. My prayer is that we may never be more interested in our personal comfort than we are who is drowning in the sea of sin just behind, just beyond our walls. May we never be more concerned about the color of a person's skin than we are the condition of their soul. May we never want to see people come to the church as long as they're the right kind of people. The world needs your witness for Jesus. And God is asking today, each and every one of us, can I get a witness? And may we always respond enthusiastically, vigorously, excitedly, yes and amen. Yes and amen. Can I get a witness? Yes and amen. Everybody stand up on your feet as we close today. Here's what I want to tell you. This has been a challenging message, a call to action for the church. We've asked you to pray, we've asked you to invite, and we've asked you to bring. There is a world around us, outside of these four walls, of people that are drowning, that are shipwrecked. Many of those who don't even know it, but they're call goes out to us to be committed to watch over the sea to be committed to go out and to rescue those that are perishing and to bring them in so I've encouraged you I've challenged you to think about five people that you can be praying for that God has called you to be a witness to but this morning perhaps you're in this place today and you're not a witness because you don't have an experience with Jesus. You haven't heard about Jesus. You haven't, you haven't heard what he said and you don't know who he is. And here's the deal. There's a difference between someone who is an expert witness in a court of law and a person who is an eyewitness. You see, an eyewitness is someone who talks about what they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. And an expert witness is maybe someone who just knows the facts. See, they might know about what happened. They might know about, you know, Jesus. They might know intellectually that there was a person named Jesus and this is, you know, what I hear he did or whatever. But unless you know him personally, Unless you enter into a personal relationship with Jesus, then you can never be a witness of what he's done, what you've experienced, what you've seen, and what you've heard. And here's the good news today. The good news today is that he's here. You can experience him today. with every head bowed and every eye closed. Perhaps you've never 
you've heard about Jesus, but you've never personally met him. It's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing someone personally. And today, you would say, Pastor Keith, I, I recognize, I know, I sense in my heart that I'm separated from God. I'm separated from Jesus because of my sins. Can I tell you the gospel today? And it's this. Here's the good news for you today. That though you are a sinner and your sins separate you from God, Jesus is a Savior who can reconcile you, who can forgive you of all your sins and can remove the separation between you and God. This is the good news about Jesus that I proclaim to you today that God was in the world reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And so today, maybe you've tried many things. Maybe you try to be good enough. You've tried to work your way. You've tried to give. You've tried to be a good person. Listen, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You can't be good enough. You can't work your way into it. You can't be born physically into it. You have to be born of the Spirit. And the way that you're born into the Spirit is just receiving that gift of grace that you don't deserve. That gift is eternal life, forgiveness of your sins, and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So can I get a witness? Can I get a witness today? Lord, may we all be witnesses, Lord, as we leave this room, as we leave this moment today, Lord. I know, Lord, that you're knocking on the door of hearts of individuals who do not know you yet. Give them courage, Lord, to open up the door and to personally invite you in. No longer keeping you on the outside, but Lord saying, yes, I will give my life to you. And if you make that decision today, the Bible says that old things have passed away and all things will become new. Do you need a new beginning today? Do you need purpose today? Do you need to find out why God has created you today? Do you need to know who God is and what he says about you and what he wants to do for in your life and through your life? Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you become a witness of what you've experienced, seen, and heard. Pray this prayer after me. Every head bowed and every eye closed, just maybe put your right hand over your heart. And with your left hand, maybe just lift that left hand. Okay? And I want everybody to pray this prayer after me. Everyone in this room, no matter if you've said it before, maybe this is the first time you've said this prayer. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've turned from you and I've gone my own way. But today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my heart, be my Lord 
be my Savior. I give you my life. Come and forgive me. Make me clean. I receive you today as my Savior, as my Lord. Lead my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.